1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay and the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme?
2: Season keeps on rolling, and we're right here to give you all the information you need to know. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Mendel. Joining me as always is Josh Houts. And Josh, I know you're going to say it, so we're just going to get it out there and we're going to talk about it. There are more pictures of Tua making his way to the internet, and my God, he looks jacked.
1: He looks so good right now, and I I, I hope that sounds as, as bad as it, it was intended to. But, I mean, we just continue to see it all off season. He's working hard, and these picks just keep coming out. And he looks like he's just juicing up. I mean, I hope the league doesn't test him, but uh, we definitely are getting ready to see a whole different Tua in this year, too.
2: And, you know, it, it doesn't mean too, too much, but in, in the grand scheme, you most certainly would rather have your uh... – your guys looking good in the offseason compared to, you know, looking bad. I think that's kind of the way it goes. And I think it's funny that, you know, uh, based on the Brian Flores comments that we'll dive into in just a minute here, uh, everyone, you know, the columnists are starting to say how this is a massive offseason for for Tua. Is 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 it every offseason a massive offseason for any player? Uh, you could just tell that it's getting to that time of the year where the, the football tropes are really starting to come alive and, the, and the, the cliche sayings are alive and well this time of year uh, when there's no games to really chat about.
1: Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, we're recording this right now. It's Friday night at eleven, eleven. So make a wish everyone, but, uh, we are now officially what two, three days away from the start of the legal tampering period, Jake. So, uh, like you said, lots of news. They're just trying to, to get to that point, but, uh, what a time. And we got a lot of exciting things coming out. Did touch on it. Brian Flores had a, what he calls a state of the union, or I guess that's, a, I guess that's what we called it, but, uh,
2: No, that's what he called it. In in the bringing of his presser, he said, I guess we'll call this like a State of the Union. I thought that was incredible.
1: It is. And I mean, Brian Flores is incredible, but the first (laughs) announcement that he made was, you know, a little bit of a shocker. I think a lot of people thought that maybe he would promote someone, one of those offensive coordinator guys, at least I did, George Godsey or Eric Studsville to that assistant head coach, but he came out and said it was going to be Danny Crossman. And he said that he's been instrumental in the development of this team, our coaching staff, and they're just grateful to have someone with his skill set to bounce ideas off of. So uh, the first big thing that came out of the State of the Union address was that Danny Crossman was the new assistant head coach. Jake, give me your thoughts on that.
2: You know, I'd really love to be part of an NFL franchise or or just get a really nice glimpse because I I just would love to know what these different jobs uh, entail. Uh, Crossman's done an incredible job. I I certainly think he's uh, deserving, but you do see a lot of the guys on offense really get the guy, uh, the name, the title, of, you know, assistant head coach, whatever it may be. But I, I'd like to know what that means more than just the title. What extra duties he has? Because, you know, outside his fans, uh, this really shouldn't mean too much because we really don't know what it means. We could obviously sit here and speculate. But outside of the title, uh, outside of uh, Crossman probably getting a little bit of a raise out of it, I really uh, don't know what his job entails outside of, you know, really focusing on and improving that special teams unit.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that either of us know. And we'll talk about how they improved the special team unit earlier today. But um, I mean, outside of being an assistant head coach and, you know, eventually getting called up if the head coach gets fired, I really don't know. And, you know, if Brian Flores gets fired here in Miami, we are in a whirlwind of trouble. So um, nice promotion there. He also went on to discuss the co-offensive coordinators. George Godsey and Eric Studsville. He talked about his relationship with those two guys. Then went on to say how if there was a situation last season when Chan Gailey would have been out for any reason, they were preparing Eric Studsville to call plays. So they said nothing is official yet. They're still working on how that's going to go throughout the 2021 season. But if Chan Gailey would have went down last year, they did say that Eric Studsville would have taken over the play call duty. So Jake, I don't know how you feel about that. But to me, that to me sounds like Eric Studsville is in that driver's seat. And again, He's the guy out of this group that uh, a lot of teams, you know, he's stuck with different regimes here in Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this is a guy that a lot of different coaches and teams around the league think very, very highly of. Not that they don't George Godsey, but Eric Studsville just seems like a different breed of coach, especially with that running back unit.
2: You know, I kind of like that he brought up the, the situations where, you know, maybe Gailey wouldn't be available. You know, you never know what was going to happen last year in terms of, uh you know, the, the pandemic and things like that. And, and I kind of like how he brought up the situation where uh, he kind of got thrown into the fire last year in that Cardinals game. I'm glad, you know, uh, he could kind of confirm that studsville's role in that game uh, obviously he didn't come out and say it but this kind of is how you connect those dots here and i'm glad we weren't really just grasping at straws for that i'm glad you know flores was really here to uh back up what he was saying and and josh what i do want to ask you though is you know the one thing people seem to be saying about the the co-offensive coordinator thing is they aren't necessarily pinning it in a negative light they just you know a lot of the national guys you know the podcasts i listen to around the nfl i think they mentioned it the idea of co, it, it seems like it could result in a lot of finger-pointing. And, I mean, I just there, – there is that doubt, that little bit of fear of if things go bad, having two guys, you know, a two-headed monster an offensive coordinator might only just make things worse.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the potential to be a, one of those situations eternally that, you know, could eventually blow up in Flores' face. But as we've seen before, as we've seen time and time again, this coaching staff, Ryan Flores, they're going to go in unconventional ways. You know, this is the world what they're going to do so I mean I'm going to sit here and I'm going to trust the process but you're, you're right like if Eric Studsville say they have a one of those down games a week where you know they don't they only score 10 points do they then shift the duties over there to George Godsey for the following week and then you know how does that you know play out throughout the week you know you just got relieved of your play calling duties so who starts complaining is,
2: to Armando first that, yeah, that really it's, becomes
1: the question yeah, it's, and speaking of that did you hear he posted in his article that he didn't even have the raise hand option during this uh, Brian Flores press conference that. so he That's was amazing, so upset so cool. about that so um, I, I really really don't know jake i mean it's it's one of those things where it's either going to work out great and you know other teams are going to start to mimic it or it's going to again blow up in our face and you know either george gods or eric studsville or maybe even both might not be here again if the offense doesn't work out but um we're getting way down the line there and you know it again it's just kind of interesting to see that brian flores believes in these open. guys it, trust it's in certainly these guys. not a
2: bad idea I'm. Open. it's not the, it's not crazy that that's for sure
1: no it's not crazy not like uh you know some of the other things that we might see, but
2: the, the way Flores started his presser though, uh, he brought up the fact that he got the, the team actually just got done with the draft meetings last week. And I, it just kind of hit me about that war room. I mean, I know it was all virtual last year, so it might not have been intense, but the only thing I can compare it to as someone who obviously has never been, um, uh, you know, in a live NFL locker room, who has never been in a war room, Uh The only way I can picture going through a draft, especially when you have, what, five picks in the top 90 as the Dolphins do. Josh, am I straying too far away here where I'd feel like it's that situation where you're like a nine-year-old and it's your first year in Little League and you just see the biggest, tallest pop-up coming your way and it's a can of corn but your legs just start shaking and you want to smash that panic button at any second you're just waiting for that ball to come down and you panic and then it just drops at your feet that kind of seems what the draft process might be like and just how quickly it goes and the fact that we're sitting here a month before the draft and these meetings are done they have you know plan a b c or d uh in place is all great but you always know E, F, G, H, I, J hij are, are going to be needed at some point
1: For sure. And I think what was best about that thing is, you know, he even went on to say, you know, they've done a phenomenal job with this draft process. Mm -hmm. But it makes you wonder, Jake, and I don't know if you're feeling this way, but how much of this, you know, how much of that did they take away from the senior bowl? You know, they got some up close look at some players at positions that they definitely could use. How much of that helped go into this process and, you know, got them done with these draft meetings early? And, you know, how much does this compare to other teams? I mean, do we truly know? I mean, at this point in the year, I guess at this point, draft meetings are probably done. I mean, I I don't know, but uh, it was just definitely cool to hear some of that thought process with Brian Flores and his staff.
2: No doubt. And the last thing we'll touch on here before we uh, uh, get over the state of the union addresses, he, he did talk a bit about Tua. I thought it was weird. Uh, court, I don't know why reporters ask these questions. Cause I feel like you're just wasting time. Brian Flores is such an incredibly smart person and he gives good insight. If you ask the right questions, I don't understand why people are asking him, you know, what are you going to do if the team trades for a veteran quarterback? Like, that that just boggles my mind. What do you think he's going to say? What do you think Brian Flores is going to say outside of Tua's been great, Tua's been awesome. I had lunch with Tua yesterday. We spoke about family, family, all that's so important to him. Like, it just kind of annoyed me that that's really the direction it took. But this is what Flores had to say about Tua. Uh, he started nine games. I thought he made a lot of improvement throughout the course of the season. Uh, he added that he threw him into the fire, of course, there early in the season, that he had some ups and downs, like all rookies and like any rookie in general are going to have those ups and downs. Uh, he added that he is really excited about this, the year one to two jump and being more comfortable, even down here in South Florida. He mentioned that Tua recently uh, found his found a place, so he's getting comfortable, setting it up, uh, throwing up all that Alabama merch that he comes across. Uh, when asked about, you know, Tua getting traded, it, it, he Flores said what you know expect him. I am excited to work with Tua. Uh and that kinda really boils it down that he said that he's confident about him and, and I don't know what you can expect as an answer if you're gonna say, Hey, are you gonna trade your, your second year quarterback?
1: Yeah, Jake, and I really don't know what else Brian Flores would have said. And you know, just to piggyback on that a little bit, I mean, did you put too much into this? I mean, some people are saying, Okay, Hearing this, you know, there's no way in heck the Dolphins would make a trade for Deshaun Watson. I I really didn't get that takeaway at all. You know, I just sat there and thought this with coach talk. I did think one of the biggest things he said was, you know, me, I'm all about developing players, helping them get better. I think this time, this offseason is really going to be helpful to him and really all the rookies. I'm really excited about working with them this offseason. So, again, we talked about it podcast after podcast. Everyone talks about it. The rookies did not have the same offseason that they're accustomed to, no preseason, none of that stuff. Now we get to see two all offseason long get jacked up like you're seeing in those pictures. Uh, Jake, I do need to talk about it, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of that looming cloud over the Miami Dolphins right now. But Brian Flores did say he would love to have Ryan Fitzpatrick back. Give me your thoughts on that because i I felt a little Joe Philbin queasy going over that.
2: <laughs> you saying Joe Philbin queasy makes me a little queasy. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Go um, pick you up know, the litter, please. <laughs> I think it's it's the case with any free agent. And, you know, I think Fitzpatrick, it might be a little less coach talk and a little more coming from the heart. I, I think Brian Flores can't say enough good things about uh, Fitzpatrick and what he meant to this organization. I think this organization, or at least he thinks the organization is better when there is one helmet that has bubble gum on top of it. And I, and I really can't blame him. And, you know, I think when the regular season comes, obviously, you know, you hit the nail on the head where uh, Flores mentioned the offseason. He's excited to work with the rookies and develop them. But once the season starts, man, it's all about winning. And, you know, we talk about the Raiders game, the throw, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick made it there. But, I mean, it was an incredible play by the safety it is completely blanking on me right now. But by the Broncos to really... Uh, to jump in front of a ball in the end zone and and stop the Dolphins come back in that game. So I think Flores would love to have that, you know, ace of spades in his back pocket for whenever, you know, Flores or Tua's struggling, a defense really hasn't figured out, you know, there's, there's, you know, maybe some miscommunications, maybe nobody can really find the rhythm to be able to kind of throw a curveball like Fitzpatrick. I I guess it's probably more of a knuckleball, Uh, but I mean, I, I don't blame him at all for saying this. And yes, you know, we mentioned it too, where the, the, quarterback uh free agent market is very bleak right and i think fitzpatrick might be the most cl- colorful exciting um and, and might have the most potential out of out of any of those uh free agent quarterbacks
1: i'm with you on that and you know maybe it's just the guy in me that you know doesn't want to see Tua get pulled in a critical game and let right. him go out there and try to get I you agree. know over those humps by himself but I mean, we saw sit here and we see what Ben Roethlisberger got in in Pittsburgh. You know, we see that Ryan Fitzpatrick still has the capabilities to be a starting quarterback. So I do think that, you know, it would be in his best interest, and we've heard it time and time again that he wants to play. But, um, you know, having that veteran presence, I wanted to get rid of him last offseason, admittedly, for Cam Newton. But you couldn't tell me that, too, or this locker room or this team would be the same, no offense to Cam Newton, if he was in that locker room because of what Ryan Fitzpatrick brought to that team. So um, I think he sees it as just adding another coach to that locker room and who wouldn't want that around. But again, I would rather see Tua get over those humps himself. I think we touched on everything we wanted to in the first half of this podcast, Jake. Let's take a moment to hear from our ads and we'll jump into the second half.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: And Jake, there is so much going on that we didn't even talk about the biggest news of the day, of the week. The Miami Dolphins changed their Twitter profile from Ohana, which means family, (laughs) to Fins Up. Jake, what are we ever going to do?
2: Oh man, you know, I'd love to be in that uh, room with the social media directors uh, and then really have the conversation about switching this because you know there are fans. I'm not going to be one of them. I, I'm not going to put too much sock into uh, the social media and the entertainment aspect of sports compared to the the business side and you know the roster construction thing of that. I don't I don't know where that Venn diagram sits, uh, but I don't know how often these two lines cross i'm not gonna put too much stock into it like i said i think it would be funny to be in that room when they decided to do this uh what caused them to do this i'm not really sure hey it's a fresh start new season maybe they're just keeping it clean for now before they uh start to get a little more pizzazz going maybe maybe uncle vante is the next to get a little uh spotlight in there and you know hey everyone deserves a little spotlight not just the quarterback
1: so you don't think the Dolphins are trading for Deshaun Watson because they cha- they changed their, their Twitter profile? That's not what we're getting at here? I do think I, – I do really wish we knew if they did this before they cut Kyle Van Noy because, I mean, you can't have Ohana and preach family if you just got rid of the guy that's pretty much been your boy since New England. I mean, am I right? Did it it come before or after? I need to know. But um, a sad day for Dolphins Twitter. And we may as well jump right into it. I mean, I'm sorry, Punter. We'll get into you after this. But Kyle Van Noy got officially cut, Jake. And we were sitting there. We were waiting on it. We kind of figured there was no chance that they were going to get a compensatory pick or anything for him because, again, they already tipped their hand. And we don't know who did that. But uh, Kyle Van Noy is now officially gone. The Dolphins have roughly 4.5 million in dead cap next season as of now. And Van Noy accounts for 4.125, or 2% of cap. Dolphins are paying Kalen Balaj. Jake, you did a great job here with this, one hundred and forty-seven thousand two hundred and ninety-five dollars this season. Damn.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I had I had to put that in because after years of um, you know really being sad about the dead cat the Dolphins had as they really purged their roster. I mean, I, I we can chuckle at Kalen Balaj making one hundred and fifty thousand on the Dolphins. You
1: know, he, got good like, <laughs> he, he looked decent once he left. Like I actually like. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. What You're right.
2: And, and you know what, that, that Van Noy uh, contract, uh, the the thing I think once free agency starts, we tend not to talk about a lot, which I think we should do, is compensation picks. And when you sign a, what, a 29-year-old Van Noy to a four-year deal, there there should have been little to no chance then that we expected that four-year contract to be completed. And that's kind of the tough situation that NFL is in right now in terms of the general managers. Obviously, players want to get paid obviously they want security on the other side you know teams want to figure out the most flexible routes they can go and for them it just be you know one two year deals um and then you get a comp pick if they leave and or you get a good player if they stay uh but what we're seeing here is we're in this awkward middle ground where contracts are being signed for you know three four years and we mentioned it in a couple of pods ago where a lot of these contracts are really one or two year deals in disguise and and there's a lot of agent talk that goes into making these deals look like there's a lot more money being thrown around thrown around which they're re- more than there really is which don't get me wrong these are millions of millions of dollars more than i'll ever i can ever imagine so don't, i'm not trying to say it like that uh but but a tough situation to be in if you're trying to build a team where, you know, I think that the Dolphins didn't expect Van Noy to be there until he was 33 uh, the entire time. But at the same time, you want to effectively use your money you don't want to have that you know four million dollars in cap space you want to get guys who you can get comp picks for so it's that strange middle of the ground where we can celebrate Greer and the cap situation where they were able to escape a contract they didn't like but at the same time it isn't the most effective way to use your money and it's important to note that you're not always going to maximize uh the most your entire cap otherwise you know you'll easily be the best team in football Josh one thing I thought was interesting that the Miami Herald podcast said that no one in the locker room is really going to miss Kyle Vannoy, which came as a major surprise to me, and then I started to think about it, and this is kind of, might be going into the they let they took Ohana out of their Twitter bio, what's going on here? Uh, but, but Twilight Vannoy-
0: Zone.
1: <laughs> but was Noy
2: Vannoy- I'm going pl-
1: to play the music right here. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, just leave you in singing it. This is good.
2: Uh, but it got me thinking uh, What was Noy maybe kind of like Patricia was in Detroit, that you know... Uh, speak the Patriot way, but don't necessarily walk the Patriot way. Um, Was Van Noy maybe, and I don't really want to tarnish his name because I always thought he was a great guy, but, you know, we're going to speculate here. I mean, that's what football is all about. I mean – was he one of the guys that wanted Fitzpatrick to play that that was in one of those Miami Herald stories, Uh, you know, being a little older, maybe he's trying to win every year while a lot of the younger guys, you know, the, the offensive line, um, you know, being the second oldest guy on the team that he just kind of wanted to win. He didn't want to quote unquote waste years maybe, and and saw that maybe Fitzpatrick had a higher uh, potential. I don't know. I'm spitballing here, but, but I just thought that was an interesting twist and turn uh, from, from the Miami Herald podcast and, I guess that kinda of wraps up everything we have to say about uh Kyle Van finally being officially official uh cut, unless you have something to add about the line packer here, Josh.
1: Yeah, the one thing I was gonna say and I think maybe, you know, we weren't we were gonna have a debate later on about, you know, different positions and stuff, but that came out really dirty. We were gonna have a talk later <laughs> about different <laughs> Either way, Kyle. Either way, Kyle Van Noy. I think if you saw him at his press conferences, he seemed like he absolutely despised the South Florida media. You know, so I think he might have. Yeah. They might be doing this. You know, as a way to. You know, maybe that's their way of saying, you know, what we're not going to miss you. So, um, good speculating on both ends. But Kyle Van Noy is now officially gone, and he's going to count 4.125 million towards the cap next season.
0: All
2: right, Josh. The most exciting news of the day: the Dolphins signed punter Michael Pilardi to a one-year deal former Fort Lauderdale prep standout. Uh, He tore his ACL last year with the Panthers where he played three seasons. He didn't have a single blocked punt in 243 attempts. He averaged 45.3 yards per attempt. I'm sorry, listeners, if you're falling asleep now, I was falling asleep listening or putting up these stats because punter stats, they're so hard to put into context. You don't know how often someone's punting. Yes, they say the total at the end of the year, but was there a game he had to punt seven times? What's
1: the hang time? What's What's the hang hang time? time? Where is he punting
2: from? And I guess the real conversation we can have here is about Matt Hawk, Miami's punter. Uh, For four years, he averaged 44.7 yards per punt, uh, 0.6 yards less than Polardi. That doesn't really mean that much to me. It seemed like, at least to me, more last season than others that that some punts by Hawk were were kind of ducks, and I felt like uh, opposing offenses were getting really decent field position in situations they wouldn't. And he wasn't dropping balls inside the 20 like we're used to. And the stats really didn't back this up. He's been pretty consistent. So I don't know why, where that feeling is coming from. But uh, punter stats, man, I, I can't do it. This stuff is
1: ugh. ugh. Pun- punters have feelings too, Jake. I think you need You're to remember that. Too. But, um, you know, Matt, Matt Hawk, I think we all liked him more for the, the Mountaineer shot and, you know, that awesome completion to Kamoon Grazier-Hill that got called back. So uh, I don't really know that he was a very good punter or, you know, worth, you know, sticking around i do think the dolphins and again this is just what we continue to see if they see a position that they can upgrade they're going to go ahead and do so i think you mentioned he tore his acl last season so we're going to see how polarity comes back this year but uh hopefully the dolphins aren't punting too much so it really won't matter
2: good point maybe they won't put a touchdown every drive call it a day Josh, the cap is officially set as of earlier this week at $180 million, and that is before, you know, rollovers from the previous year and all that fun stuff. And the Dolphins are currently looking at roughly $33 million in cap space. And that doesn't include the fact that the Dolphins have two first round picks. They're going to have to sign the contracts, two second round picks. The two second round picks nearly uh, don't cost as much, but having two, it really does start to add up. So that, that cap space at 33 mil might even be cut in half. Obviously the dolphins can make more moves to open space, but let's just look at what the team has for right now. Um, Barry Jackson actually came out with a story today uh, for the Miami Herald. Uh, that said the dolphins have repeatedly and directly told uh, our boy, Teddy Carass, uh that they want him back. And, they haven't uh, discussed exact numbers, and that could be for a number of reasons. They want to see what he's going to look like in the open market. They wanted to see what the cap is going to look like. And they were going to really wait until free agency started uh, next week to discuss it further. Uh, over the cap, I think it was projected, uh, Karras, to make $10 million a year, um, just to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, Jackson added that the Dolphins have also been doing research on Patriot Center David Andrews, who is likely to be a bit more expensive. Uh both of these guys allowed two sacks last, uh, last season. I put weekend here, but uh, I wish there was football last weekend. And Andrews ranked 14th, according to PFF, in terms of centers, and Karras was 17th. Um, Josh, I, I think the Andrews news really shouldn't come as a surprise. We, we Joe Thune, uh, we, we heard about it for two years, the potential of him coming to Miami. He's a free agent, actually, again, this offseason, but I don't think the Dolphins have money to go spend on a guard. Um I think center's is a very tough situation where I think the Dolphins might need to make a move and really at least get some sort of depth, someone who can maybe start. And obviously you want to draft guys to, to uh, build up that depth and have guys competing for the starting job. But center seems like one of those positions you'd like to have someone on the roster um, as early as April or May who, who you can trust to uh, really start for this team.
1: Yeah, that that's a little bit disheartening. I actually didn't read that through our first rundown and then I saw a tweet about it and then you're like, yeah, man, it was already in. So, I completely <laughs> missed that news, but I mean, that was a little disheartening because on our last podcast we talked about Corey Lindsley, the center from the Green Bay Packers, 30 years old. It looks like Spotrac has him projected at 9.7 million dollars annually. He's seeking a 3-year, 29 million or at least that's what they're projecting him to get, but that guy, he's an all-pro center, you know? And I do think Jackson offense, did mention I he him. Hit- Yeah, and I think we both admit, you know, that is that missing piece, at least right now in that offensive line. You bring in a center, uh, you know, a a center that's better than what we saw last year with Karras, which, again, I mean, I thought he was an upgrade over Kilgore. But again, I still think those guys kind of all mingle together. So uh, I don't know what the Dolphins will do here at center. We know how important it is for the offensive line, for the communication. We continue to hear all offseason long, all season long about how important that veteran presence was up front and Ted Karas was. We love the story about his sweaty ass towel. So, uh, you know, why <laughs> not bring it back down here to Miami? Why not let him start and be that center and, and let Tua take snaps underneath that ass towel. remember right?
2: <laughs> you're something that's for sure. Josh, I want to ask you here, uh, what position would you feel most comfortable uh, with leaning on a rookie to come in and just play? And of course it's a starter. Um, so it's not like your backup or your third wide receiver, Um, and the options are center, running back, or receiver, because I think these are arguably three of Miami's biggest holes on offense, and with 33 million cap space, and unless they make other moves, that's not going to be enough to fill all these holes, Um, so when you're thinking about it, Josh, if you had to start a rookie center, a rookie running back, or a rookie receiver, which one do you think you'd pick?
1: Okay, let me just start by saying that Creed Humphrey had his uh, pro day today, and he went absolute he was a monster. I think it was the Raz scores that Math always does on Twitter. I think he had the best, you know, center score of all time athletically. So He could be that guy you could just plug and play right there. But I'm going to have to go with running back. I just picture Najee Harris. I picture Travis Etienne. I picture Javante Williams, whichever one of those guys coming in here and making that transition smoothly. And, you know, we see it year after year. Running backs just seem to have, you know, a quicker feel of things. And I guess maybe it's an easier position to get acclimated to than a center who, again, will be calling plays on that offensive line. Or a receiver who, again, we've seen receivers that even, you know, some of the best receivers historically take some time to get acclimated. So I'm going to go with running back.
2: I was actually leaning receiver, and, uh, you know, obviously we can find situations where rookies came in and dominated at all these positions, and we can find situations where, you know, players needed a a year or two to grow. Um, But I don't think I'd be, again, Creed Humphrey, awesome player, and I I wouldn't hate the pick whatsoever. Uh, But I'd like to have someone in that room, in that, you know, depth chart that can start at center, who who is a very vocal guy who can communicate with this very, very young offensive line. I think that is kind of key here. And and I kind of say the same thing about running back. I think Tua going into his second year, I, I wonder how much it helped him if he had someone who was incredibly consistent at, at pass blocking somebody who was incredibly consistent, pat, catching the ball, running the ball and, and just kind of helping with reads in the backfield. Someone that veteran in the backfield could help a lot doing things that aren't necessarily in the stat book. So, yes, I'd be certainly game with one of the running backs too, but but that's kind of my fear in that situation. And and like I said, uh, there's undrafted guys. James Robinson came in and was great last year, despite that offense really struggling. So you so you really wonder, uh, you know, the, the value of drafting someone or using a veteran, where that can really come into play. Receiver, though, I feel like when you have someone like, this is kind of cheating, when you have two or three on the field at all times, I think putting in a Jamar Chase and, and Devontae Smith, uh, whoever it may be there, uh, I think that'd be the easiest plug-and-play among them. It just seems like that that receivers these days can kind of hop in. Game obviously is faster. Nobody will admit that it uh, isn't because it's just not the case. Uh, but, but to me, it just seems like receiver could be the easiest to really hop in here compared to a center where people are bigger, stronger, looks are different, teams are smarter in the NFL, and then running back, Again, it's a different ballgame, and, and I'll repeat it to all those running backs you said, especially Williams. I'm really starting to uh, warm up on him. I'd, I'd certainly be okay with if they're starting week one. This is just kind of my uh, power rankings of which I prefer to not have a, a rookie come in and, and put all your faith in or all your eggs into that basket.
1: Yeah, and I think what's most exciting is we're sitting here, we're naming off these different prospects. You know, the center position, the running back position, the receiver position, that we all think are in this class, that we if all believe all the Dolphins three. have a chance to get. Yeah, that the Dolphins have a chance to get. That you know <laughs> might all be starting next year. And another thing, you know, if they bring it back a Ted Kras, if they sign an Andrews, I think that does not rule them out of going after Humphrey, agree. after a minors, one of those guys. should go after if that go, if they go after Lindsley, I think we can all agree they might you know take a step back then. But um, you know, I don't see why I, at least two of these three positions. I think we can both agree. Well, probably see a a rookie starting in 2021
2: you're absolutely right if not starting it might be a running back it's just whatever name is on top of the roster type of thing but they'll get a lot of snaps and they'll be a major part of the offense you're 100 right um josh the dolphins are likely to get real friendly with todd france the agent who represents uh galladay samuel and fuller josh The Dolphins, if they want to get a wide receiver, especially one of these top guys who are going to be getting calls this day, the second uh, legal tampering, again, one of those goofiest sayings in all of sports, begins, uh, these guys are going to get paid. And it's going to be kind of a weird situation that all three of these guys have the same agent because I think the Dolphins are going to try to feel out maybe if they can get one on a quote-unquote better deal. And and that kind of seems like it might be tougher when all these guys are are, you know, represented by the same uh, person.
1: Yeah, and the other one that's not sitting here, you know, kind of battling amongst his clients is the guy who's representing Juju Smith-Schuster. But I think we can agree if the Dolphins are going that free agent route, if we're going to get one of these, you know, I guess top four, it looks like receivers, they're going to have to pony up and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, how do they, how do they, uh, I guess, prioritize these guys? Do they have Kenny Galladay over Curtis Samuel? Do they have Curtis Samuel over Galladay? You know, is the agent working to get Galladay? I I don't know how this is going to work, Jake, but I'm fascinated. I'm excited. And I hope they really do, you know, sit down and I hope Chris Greer, Brian Flores, I hope they legal tamper their hearts out next week.
2: I have to say, um, obviously Robinson being tagged certainly helps with this, but I'm really warming up to, I think Samuel being my favorite uh, receiver of this free agent class. And, you know, I think it's important to note too, that it's certainly, you're supposed to change your opinions on these things. If you, if you keep your same opinion from, you know, the end of the season till March, I mean, I don't think you're really doing justice. So, so I'm kind of have Samuel leading the race here for me. Um, a couple more free agent things. Uh, James Conner joins the rumor mill for the Miami dolphins at running back and looking at the way the dolphins have been run lately. I wonder how much of this stuff uh, is agent talk and player talk that, that, Hey, you know, the dolphins are going to look at this guy. And, and that's coming from the agent who maybe had like a little conversation with them um, because James Conner is, is a little bit of a scary one. Uh, he's struggled with injuries throughout his career. Um, I don't think he'd cost as much as an Aaron Jones, but I, I, think it's okay to question the consistency compared to Jones would be there. Um, but but at the end of the day, Josh, I, I'm really starting to get interested about how this stuff comes out. We had Juju Smith-Schuster wearing a Dolphins jersey in Fortnite. Uh, he put a Jets one on after that. But I think that's kind of a, a nice metaphor about how all these rumors get started. It's as simple as putting a jersey on in Fortnite. And, and I think that could be the, all that's needed for, you know, Blogs like the Finnsider and even places like ESPN to run rumor mill stories about these guys and different places that might be interested.
1: Yeah, I think we've all reached that point where you can give us any little bit of nugget and we're going to run with it. I mean, that okay. Juju Smith thing, I mean, everyone was retweeting it. And then I realized after everyone's like, oh, no, he switched to a Jets after he lost. So um, I know we're talking about the running back, talking so about James Conner. I heard some people on Twitter, they mentioned him as being a Jordan Howard. I, I think that's a little harsh to me. I mean, yeah, I wasn't too. a big yeah. fan of Jordan Howard. I think that James Conner, you know, again, I hate to bring up fantasy football, but we all remember James Conner, you know, being one of those fantasy backs that he got real excited about. So, you know, could they sign him for a low-risk hire? reward and something could happen there. He's 25 years old. You can go down the list. You know, Marlon Mack, I heard he might get one of those show me what you got contracts. So there's a lot of different options, Jake, but we're really not hearing much except for, you know, the Miami Herald and Barry Jackson, some of these other, you know, uh, beat writers, you know, saying, okay, well, they've been linked to these players and, uh, you know, an, an expert with knowledge of the situation of what the Dolphins might need a receiver if they go this route in the draft but the stars align this way you know what I mean like no one knows what they're doing and there's so yep. many different options and I think you know you mentioned Curtis Samuel. I love Curtis Samuel, but I'm not going to be mad if they get Juju you know I'm going to be sitting there right. trying to learn the dancers I'm going to be teaching my daughters the dancers <laughs> so every time he scores a damn touchdown we get up in the room we do it simultaneously I mean that's just how I feel the Dolphins they're, they're in such a good position that they just uh, they they need to build around too and again I think you know we heard it from Brian Flores in his press conference they realized that they got to get playmakers and we didn't even talk about that jake in his press conference i don't know if you heard that but he said you know we have the money to spend but i think i'm going to be playing in my office repeatedly you can't always get what you want and that's something that i think all dolphin fans need to realize you know whether it's the draft whether it's free agency you know you can't always get what you want
2: yeah and that that you brought up like the the biggest point i was going to bring up and, and i don't even think you know you, you even noticed that james Conner. you mentioned uh marlon mack uh, approve it deal i mean james connor seems like the 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 ideal person to bring in for a year, uh him prove that he's super healthy. It's the cap is $30 million less than it should have been due to the pandemic and and all that jazz. And so so you could bring in someone like Connor, do the one year prove it deal. You know, you pay him relatively decently for one year. He balls out, he goes signs another contract, boom, comp pick. You know, that's what I think the the real if we look back
1: way, right? Exactly. I think that's if we
2: so if we look back at a successful 2021 offseason, you know, uh, Flores was asked a bunch about the spending frenzy last year and then how the team can't do it again this year. I think if, for most teams, if you look at a successful 2021 offseason, maybe it doesn't involve, you know, using uh, 80% of your free cap- app on a Galladay or even a Curtis Samuel, no matter how much you like them. There are guys like John Brown being cut. There are going to be more guys like John Brown being cut. So you can really – teams are going to have to walk this very, very tight rope basically in balance that urge to get these great players and the opportunity to sign these veterans who understand the situation, who are really getting the raw end of the deal, the guys who, you know, the middle of the roster guys who, who you know, earned that second contract. Those are the ones who are getting the screwed here. Cause the, the elite guys are obviously going to get paid. Uh, I expect two of these three wide receivers to have contracts signed Monday, if not Tuesday, quote unquote, signed Monday, if not Tuesday. So, I kind of would be okay if the Dolphins take things slow and, and kind of see how things develop, when guys like John Brown get cut, even guys along the lines of Kyle Van Nooy get cut by other teams, and the Dolphins look at those options. But at the same time, that, there's a lot of speculation involved, and if, if you're, you're stuck there watching, scared money ain't making no money, so that's a tough situation in itself.
1: It is another thing. I don't even want to throw that out there, but you know, everyone's getting hyped up for you know whether it's Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Aaron Jones. We still got time that these guys could resign with their team. We're seeing Green Bay make moves up there to kind of free up some cap space. So this Good whole point. thing isn't over. But I think we all just got to kind of sit back, relax. And you made a great point, man. I mean, they bring in a guy like James Conner. Everyone who still wants a rookie running back early, you're still going to get that. You know, 100%. you bring in James Conner, that's not going to stop you from drafting a running back. And I don't think Aaron stop Jones you. stops you. Aaron, yeah, Aaron Jones might not even stop you. I mean, they're in a, it depends on the money, but again, I don't know how much these guys are going to get those contracts that a lot of uh, people expect them to get, but I mean, dude, we are we just talking about things that... Uh, you know, are happening before free agency. I mean, we're not even getting into free agency. That's next week. This is just uh, an awesome time. And, you know, the last thing we wanted to touch on, and I wrote an article about it today on the Finnsider, was Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State, did not play this year. We know uh, North Dakota State did not play football, obviously, but uh, he had his pro day, showed off a rocket arm, was a little up and down. But to me, he's quarterback four in this class. But some people are saying, you know, he could be drafted In the top five, Benjamin Albright said Lance had a good workout. If teams want him, they'll need to trade up to three. I don't know if that's a testament to how good Trey Lance is or if he's just saying, you know, those four quarterbacks could be gone in those top four picks because Atlanta could could need a quarterback if the team trades up with Miami. I mean, there's so many options here, Jake, but but tell me your thoughts on this because to me that just means that a team's going to be calling Miami and another war chest is going to be coming at their doorstep, and this one's not at the expense of Bill O'Brien.
2: <laughs> That's a shame in itself, if we're being honest. Uh, but but I I loved hearing this, I, and I I love the opportunity of trading back from three, seven, eight, nine, whatever it may be, and you get maybe a second round this year and a first round uh, next year as well. But Josh, I, I there there's one thing, I, I and mean, it's not a concern right now, but I'm just saying down the road it could you know maybe uh, you know become a concern. At some point, I think you need to cash in the war chest, and this might not be the best comparison, but I look at what the Boston Celtics had done. They put together a very good team, don't get me wrong, um, but, you know, there was rumors for years, you know, they were a little scared to pull the trigger on an Anthony Davis trade. They were mentioned in talks with all these stars, and then just because they, they didn't want to give up a draft pick to it. I'm not saying this about a Deshaun Watson trade. Don't don't yell at me about this. But what I'm saying is, you know, if the Dolphins keep holding on these draft picks and keep moving back and, and, you know, using a pick here, using a pick there, at some point I'd like them to kind of swing for the fences, right? You know, after all these years of being conservative and really building up these prospects, I'd like it to go towards a major wave of course we could say you know this too and then don't yell at me if you trade back this year you get another first round pick for next year let's say tua isn't the guy he really struggles this year and you want to move on you got a second from josh rosen netted a second round pick for the cardinals you have the ammunition to move up next year and get a court. If if you need be, that's, that's an option. But I think in the next two, three years, if the dolphins continue this route, which I, I'm okay with trading down, building up these picks, especially, you know, you're using your seconds every year, that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, a couple of years down the road when, when they're missing one big piece, I'd love to see them make, you know, an Atlanta Falcons trade up for Julio Jones, which, you know, a lot of people hated at the time. And and that trade couldn't have worked out better.
1: No, it couldn't have. And, you know, I sat there and I kind of joked, but I am interested to see which of these teams ponies up and moves up. I said, maybe Carolina would give us Christian McCaffrey in exchange, but you know, the (laughs) list of teams that could honestly have interest in any quarterback, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be Trey Lance. It could just be a quarterback that these scouts and these general managers truly believe is that much better than the other guy. And that team could pony up a war chest. Josh, I got to say free
2: agency hasn't even begun yet. Legal tampering hasn't even begun yet. And there's so much to talk about. There's news coming out every day. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. I'm excited for it. The Dolphins are trending in the right direction, and they have a lot of ammunition to keep trending that way. Uh, if you enjoy what you're listening to, if you want to keep riding with us through free agency and into next season, be sure, to be sure to smash that subscribe button to know as soon as a new show comes out, that subscribe button is available on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. you can find us there um leaving reviews those help us out so much and I do want to share one I wanted to give a shout out to Andrew here uh he left us a review recently I think it was Wednesday um he gave us he hit us with four stars he said how much he loves Josh which I mean I can't really blame him for that but he added that I make him yell at his radio at least once an episode because I say something stupid I had to get a hefty chuckle out of that and I am honored um I'm glad I'm that consistent where I can make someone yell at their radio every single show. And, you know, I don't think I expect people to agree with me. I don't think I'm doing my job if everyone agrees with me. And that's how, is it how it should be? I, you know, the point of the show is to add different perspectives to, to give different lines of thinking an opportunity to shine and, and really flesh them out because more importantly, that's what the off season's about. And if we don't talk about these different uh, topics and subjects in different lights, I mean, that, that gets really boring really fast. So Andrew, Thank you so much for the for the laugh. I hope I keep making you yell, but you know not too loud. You don't wanna wake the neighbors or anything like that. but uh Josh, have anything else to say? I mean, I guess I could plug the Twitters, but uh, you know I, I I'm talking a lot I, like
1: can, you know. I can do that. I don't know yeah, how I to can.
2: plug Twitters. I get those wrong no, anyway.
1: And I, I just want to say, Jake, I've been, I've been called far worse than that. I've been told far worse things. I think we even have someone that just continues to change the comments. So we appreciate all your, your comments. If you like what you're listening to, if you like the content that you're hearing, follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Mendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I am Josh Houts for the Fit Insider Radio podcast, The Jake and Josh Show. We are getting ready, folks. Legal tampering begins next week. We will have tons of episodes for you then. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs>
2: The legal tampering special coming at you. God, it's such a stupid saying. That's it. We're wrapping up the show. It's midnight. Fins
0: up. Finsider Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins the greatest football team We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground We're always in control And when you say Miami you're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins i Cause we're the Miami Dogs.